Section twenty five of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Luke, Volume One, by J. C. Ryle. Chapter five, verses one to eleven. Christ's readiness to every good work, miraculous draught of fishes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Luke, chapter five, verses one to eleven. And it came to pass that, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught and simon answering said unto him master we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word i will let down the net and when they had this done they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them and they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. We have in these verses the history of what is commonly called the miraculous draw to fishes. It is a remarkable miracle on two accounts. For one thing, it shows us our Lord's complete dominion over the animal creation, the fish of the sea are as much obedient to his will as the frogs and flies and lice and locusts in the plagues of Egypt. All are his servants, and all obey his commands. For another thing, there is a singular similarity between this miracle, worked at the beginning of our Lord's ministry, and another which we find him working after his resurrection at the end of his ministry, recorded by St. John, John chapter 21, verse 1, etc., in both we read of a miraculous draught of fishes. In both the Apostle Peter has a prominent place in the story, and in both there is, probably, a deep spiritual lesson lying below the outward surface of the facts described. We should observe, in this passage, our Lord Jesus Christ's unwearied readiness for every good work. Once more we find him preaching to a people who pressed upon him to hear the word of God. And where does he preach? not in any consecrated building or place set apart for public worship, but in the open air, not in a pulpit constructed for a preacher's use, but in a fisherman's boat. Souls were waiting to be fed. Personal inconvenience was allowed no place in his consideration. God's work must not stand still. The servants of Christ should learn a lesson from their master's conduct on this occasion. We are not to wait till every little difficulty or obstacle is removed before we put our hand to the plough or go forth to sow the seed of the word. Convenient buildings may often be wanting for assembling a company of hearers, 
convenient rooms may often not be found for gathering children to school what then are we to do shall we sit still and do nothing god forbid if we cannot do all we want let us do what we can let us work with such tools as we have while we are lingering and delaying souls are perishing it is the slothful heart that is always looking at the hedge of thorns and the lion in the way proverbs chapter fifteen verse nineteen chapter twenty two verse thirteen where we are and as we are in season or out of season by one means or another by tongue or by pen by speaking or by writing let us strive to be ever working for god but let us never stand still we should observe secondly in this passage what encouragement our lord gives to unquestioning obedience we are told that after preaching he bade simon launch out into the deep and let down his net for a draught he receives an answer which exhibits in a striking manner the mind of a good servant master says simon we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word i will let down the net and what is the reward of this ready compliance with the lord's commands at once we are told they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break we need not doubt that a practical lesson for all christians is contained under these simple circumstances we are meant to learn the blessing of ready unhesitating obedience to every plain command of christ the path of duty may sometimes be hard and disagreeable the wisdom of the course we propose to follow may not be apparent to the world but none of these things must move us we are not to confer with flesh and blood we are to go straight forward when jesus says go and do a thing boldly unflinchingly and decidedly when jesus says do it we are to walk by faith and not by sight and believe that what we see not now to be right and reasonable we shall see hereafter so acting we shall never find in the long run that we are losers so acting we shall find sooner or later that we reap a great reward we should observe thirdly in this passage how much a sense of god's presence abases man and makes him feel his sinfulness we see this strikingly illustrated by peter's words when the miraculous draught convinced him that one greater than man was in his boat we read that he fell down at jesus's knees saying depart from me for i am a sinful man o lord in measuring these words of peter we must of course remember the time at which they were spoken he was at best but a babe in grace weak in faith weak in experience and weak in knowledge at a later period in his life he would doubtless have said abide with me and not depart but still after every deduction of this kind the words of peter exactly express the first feelings of man when he is brought to anything like close contact with god the sight of divine greatness and holiness makes him feel strongly his own littleness and sinfulness like adam after the fall his first thought is to hide himself like israel under sinai the language of his heart is let not god speak with us lest we die exodus chapter twenty verse nineteen let us strive to know more and more every year we live 
our need of a mediator between ourselves and God. Let us seek more and more to realize that without a mediator our thoughts of God can never be comfortable, and the more clearly we see God the more uncomfortable we must feel. Above all, let us be thankful that we have in Jesus the very mediator whose help our souls require, and that through him we may draw near to God with boldness and cast fear away. Out of Christ God is a consuming fire. In Christ he is a reconciling father. Without Christ the strictest moralist may well tremble as he looks forward to his end. Through Christ the chief of sinners may approach God with confidence and feel perfect peace. We should observe, lastly, in this passage, the mighty promise which Jesus holds out to Peter. Fear not, he says, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. That promise, we may well believe, was not intended for Peter only, but for all the apostles, and not for all the apostles only, but for all faithful ministers of the gospel who walk in the apostles' steps. It was spoken for their encouragement and consolation. It was intended to support them under that sense of weakness and unprofitableness by which they are sometimes almost overwhelmed. They certainly have a treasure in earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. They are men of like passions with others. They find their own hearts weak and frail, like the hearts of any of their hearers. They are often tempted to give up in despair and to leave off preaching. But here stands a promise on which the great head of the church would have them daily lean. Fear not, thou shalt catch men. Let us pray daily for all ministers, that they may be true successors of Peter and his brethren, that they may preach the same full and free gospel which they preached, and live the same holy lives which they lived. These are the only ministers who will ever prove successful fishermen. To some of them God may give more honor, and to others less. But all true and faithful preachers of the gospel have a right to believe that their labor shall not prove in vain. They may often preach the word with many tears, and see no result of their labors. But God's word shall not return void. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 the last day shall show that no work for God was ever thrown away. Every faithful fisherman shall find his master's words make good. Thou shalt catch men. Notes, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Verse 4. Launch out into the deep. Let us note that this command must have been peculiarly trying to the fisherman's faith. The deep waters were not generally the waters in which fish are taken in lakes. Verse 6. Their net break. The word rendered break would have been better translated began to break, just as a similar word in the next verse is translated began to sink. That the net did not actually break is clear from the context. It was breaking or on the point of breaking. Verse 10. Thou shalt catch men. It has been often remarked, and with much justice, that the Greek word translated catch means literally take alive. It is only used here and in one other place, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, a passage which is often much misinterpreted 
but rightly understood is a remarkable parallel to our Lord's words in this place. Let us not forget, in reading this miracle, that holy and good men in every age have seen in it a remarkable type and emblem of the history of Christ's church in the world. They have regarded the ships as emblems of the churches, the fishers of ministers, the net of the gospel, the sea of the world, the shore of eternity, and the miraculous draught of the success attending work done in strict compliance with Christ's word. There may be truth in all this, but it needs to be cautiously and delicately used. The habit of allegorizing and seeing hidden meanings in plain language of Scripture has often done great harm. End of section 25